Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim turns a Baptist church into a dance club. I introduce us to Cool Carl and Cap G, and we continue our conversation on how to disciple the next generation. Hey, everybody, welcome to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode five. Cinco. Episode five. What was the fifth episode of Star Wars, Dave? Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that's right. See, if I thought about it for half a second. So I'm a movie buff, but I'm not uh, I'm not a nerd. Anyway, hey, my name is Jeff. Across from me is my partner in crime, Tim Mathy. Whoa. And next to me. Is we have another special guest. So in the in the past episode, Define episode number special. four, special. Well, he's, he's he's special. He's never been on the show before. I have some special friends. Well, we've never had like this is our second guest. Oh, second. Okay. Yeah, our second guest, and we enjoyed having a guest so much, largely because it meant we didn't have to do a whole lot of work. And so next to me is another partner in crime ministry that we have here at our church. This is our youth pastor. Pastor Dave Kurtz. How you guys doing? Thanks oh, for having me on. Yeah, Ooh. man. Thanks for walking all the way up the stairs. Well, we really appreciate I try. It. I know it's after 4 p.m., so I know we all stopped working uh, six hours ago. And then, really, the star of the show here is uh, Josiah Tillett. Josiah, what's your middle name? Adams. I knew that. Yeah, okay. And uh, real quick, what's your social security number? <laughs> Last four. Hey, no. Mother's main name. One of these, we were talking at the, as we were getting started in, in, in pre-show stuff that uh, we need to get Josiah a, a a microphone. We'll probably do that in the double digits. Let's just get him one, like a really bad one that just feedbacks the entire time. <laughs> just, to, just to up the production quality of the podcast. Right. Yeah. Good. Something that is staticky and is, is terrible. Now we're glad you're here. Josiah really has the hardest job because he has to make us sound really good. Um, and we do, I mean, we sound fantastic when I was, I've been actually listening to some of the edits that we have, that he has done on a few of the episodes. Um, he's done a great job, Tim. I think we have been a little overconfident. Yeah. We have, we, we need, I mean, by the time we get to episode six or seven, I think we'll really have hit it out of the park, but we, we have phrases that we say a lot and, uh, and little mouth noises that we make. Yeah. Oh man. Josie, just go ahead and edit that out. He's already wincing. So we'll have to. Have to so make what sure. is it that I say all the time other than, oh, what do I say from the pulpit all the time? From, from for, which? for which? For That's which. It. Have I said that much in the no. podcast? No, but what For you, which I'm really famous for saying. Yeah. You have said for which from the pulpit and I've... I've constantly. Been, constantly. Uh, and it's great. It's like your calling card. Like, you know you're being preached to when you hear for which. You say things like... Um, I'm from Salem. And all that other and, and all that stuff and all that other stuff or and something all that other stuff. and all that and all that stuff and stuff like that and stuff like that and yeah. stuff like that. I do run on sentences. Oh, you write and run. I on know, sentences. I know, but you like text I text and run off sentences. No, I so I will. I usually will say and so, and then I go into the next thing. So you, it's just. But you know, if I were to say what your famous catchphrase is, because it's been in every single meeting that we've ever had. Uh, Dave might even know it. What's his catchphrase that he says in every single meeting when we get together? <laughs> I know what it is, but I can't think of it. It's 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 
It's something that right before he says something incredibly negative. Right. <laughs> Exactly. I, I can't exactly think what it is, but I can. I, I can. I know when it's coming. What's coming after? So that. the only problem with that is. Oh yeah. yes, yes. The only problem with that is the only yes. problem with that. Okay, no, yes. but so the, I mean that is a spiritual gift. That's what every every team needs a constant contrarian. Debbie Downer. Yeah. Well, no, it's somebody who finds the negative in everything. <laughs> everything. That's a spiritual gift. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, yeah, but it, you're you have to evaluate the systems and the things that you're producing and, and what you're doing. Sure. So it's helpful to have someone like me on the team to be able to say, this is where we might stumble and fall. Mm-hmm. And, and then I leave it up to you guys to figure out how to fix that. And then when something goes wrong, you can stand in the back corner of the room and say, see, I told you. I to- I've never said I told, no, th- I think there was one time I said, I told That's you. That's what so. you call ripcord. There's a constant yeah. ripcord. You're always signing a waiver right. with every meeting to say, I'm not fully on board with this. Right. I will just want to go on the record. Yeah, just go on the record. I'm not fully on board with this, but I am. I mean, I'm fully on board with what we're doing today. We are going to have a continuation of our last episode. This is, I think it's really um, bold of us to say that we're four or five episodes deep and we need a continuation of the conversation that we're having. Yeah. Uh, but, oh no, I was going to say, but on the, on the things that I said on the last episode that I listened to, which was the bad leadership mm-hmm. podcast, I use, I need to apologize to people. If you remember for some reason, you're jumping from episode two to episode five for the amount of times I use the word flip side. Ooh. I said, you know, on the flip side of that and the flip side, which is, I mean, it's fine to use once, but 17 times. It's what was mine again? And stuff like that. Stuff like that. And stuff like that. Can I, can I ask, can I ask the room? Mm-hmm. So instead of saying stuff like that, nope. can I change it to, and all that jazz, please, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were That'll going somewhere, somewhere else with that, and I'm like, no, oh, I don't know where well, your mind is, but I, I couldn't even guess where your mind is right now. Elf, I have no stop, idea. stop! You mouth the words to me, and all um, that jazz, and all that jazz. Now I'm gonna bust into the. No, I'm not gonna do that. Hey, so we are gonna have a continuation of the conversation, but before we do that, we need to have a continuation of a conversation we have been having over the past three or four weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So many of you who are listening, um, we have actually recorded over the course of about two months so far. And we're on episode about, yeah, about two months. Oh, you're talking about JFJ. Yes. Got it. So when we recorded episode two, things were happening with Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah. They were happening. It had just started happening. It was the Instagram post. Correct. Yes. And then we just kind of acknowledged it and, and. and moved on from it. And then every time we get together, there's something else. And, uh, and so as of yesterday, the hole gets deeper every week. It really week. does. So as of yesterday, and like, I really look forward to hopefully episode six where we do not have to talk about him. Uh, yeah, this I is guess, the last time. How about that? Let's yeah. Make that right. But, and we, cause we have Dave on here. Dave is, is an apology. Time. No, he's an evangelist of Liberty. Yeah. Like, I'll go with that. I've there's never been Jesus. In. And then there's Liberty. That's one a and one B. Have you ever had a student in your youth ministry that you have not overtly pushed to LU? No. <laughs> why? 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 Why not? All right. I, I, I can give them free it. money. Why would I? I can't do that for any other place. For, how much of you? How much do you? What's the kickback for you? That's the question. I don't get any kickback. Jesus so. points. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. How many times have you asked a Falwell, not like just Jerry Jr., to adopt you? 
I've never, I've never, I've never actually met Jerry Jr. Oh man, That's, you're probably it, blessed. Here's yeah. my question: I only, I only ever met uh, Doctor Falwell. Yeah, so you got senior, okay. and then you got junior, and then you've got Jonathan, who is the Thomas Road um, pastor, pastor, right? Yeah. Right. What's the like? So you, as a Liberty evangelist, would you be <laughs> like? Does the Falwell name need to continue? No. Okay. So it's not a matter of it's not it's not Falwell's University it's Liberty University it just happened to be founded by Falwell so there's no you don't see any need for Jonathan to come over step over from Thomas Road and kind of come into the no the, okay. and I don't think I don't think John I mean I I don't know one hundred percent but I don't think that Jonathan's in the way from what I've seen mm-hmm. and watching him that that's would be a something that he would thrive in. Probably wouldn't even yeah. want it. He enjoys pastoring. I would right. Imagine. Like, I mean, you know, I think that because do not, don't forget that Dr. Falwell, while he was the face of the franchise, he was never the president. Sure. He was the chancellor, which was. And pastor of a, Thomas Road. Thomas, Thomas Road. So the actual okay. day-to-day business was handled by somebody else. Sure. And so, okay. you know, so no, I think, I think, I think that some of the people that the, hopefully that they're looking at are going to be positive i know talking to some students that are going there that i that i know it's they're 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 hopeful about some of the one of the things about scandal is you have the opportunity to clean house and start over and get it right and so that's what i'm hoping for liberty regardless of my feelings of the university i just i you know it's a christian university and at the end of the day this is a huge black mark on christianity and it is it's terrible and so I, I hope that Liberty takes the opportunity to put the right person there, male or female, black or white, whatever, and just make it right. <laughs> he said female. <laughs> hey, put Beth Moore there. I'd be happy with that. That would be, no. you know what? Put I've, Beth Moore on I top will of tell you what. I follow Beth on Twitter, and that is enjoyable. Hmm? I enjoy following Beth Moore on Twitter. Sure. She, uh, she and, and some of her uh, just sweet Southern takedowns of some sure. people is, are really, really nice. How about, how about Tim LaHaye? I want some more of that. We want some more of that left behind money. Oh my goodness! Some like, more of that. How much? How much left behind money does Liberty have? Uh, our the student center, the ice rink is the, all. The, as really, of, is wow. there? There's another. There's a major. There's I forget what building has another building has the name of it on there. But yeah, like there are three may, large buildings that are called La here's, here's Real the thing quick, too. go ahead. After today, I don't think Liberty has any money left. And Tim, explain why you sent me a text today. Oh yeah, and this is why we were going to talk about Jerry on his way out. The door. I said right. I sent a text to you with yeah. a link, and the, the the description was I would have resigned too, because he oh. gets paid eight million dollars yeah. to leave when his yearly salary was one point two five. Right. So that's what's what's the math? And he was there? getting that's so he was getting eighth, that's he was eight getting, times yours. No. No, because they said Whatever for one year he's going to get two point five million. Next year he will get two point five million. So he's getting double his annual salary to sure. leave, plus a buyout of three or so. Well, it's totally. And then, and then he'll have. Yeah. I'm guessing that's why he, why when they said that he had resigned, then it came back and said he hadn't, and that talks were in. Yeah. I have a feeling that 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 he came back and was, at, was decided to ask for a little bit more. And he the, read his he read his contract. Yeah, and he was I think a little bit more of the, the falling. Uh, the what do they call it the. When a CEO retires and severance, they get, or no, 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 some sort of parachute, golden parachute. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's man. rough, man. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't wish ill will on his family. No, but at some point in time, like he's got to realize the damage he's the monetary damage he's done to the organization. I mean, he has built them up for sure. He's a great businessman, right? But not seemingly a great Christian example. 
Um, but he, he's made enough money. Like, just cut ties and go. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm being judgmental at that point in time. So mm-hmm. We're going to do a podcast episode on your judgment. <laughs> All right, just so, judging. So we're good. We're pacting that this is the last JFJ, unless the sky falls down, unless yeah. something gets really weird. Like Until we, next Tuesday. Yeah. 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 We're, yeah, we... No ill will on that family at all. I, as somebody who is an alumni of that of Liberty and oh, yeah, has right. my kids in oh, yeah. homeschool, Liberty Online Academy, you Josiah, can send your. You're not Liberty guy, right? High five. See us, us like UMBC, UMBC right? Yeah, I did us, UMBC. Us dirty, you know, state public school kids. I yeah. did UMBC. When I, when I did I, AACC. I did right. West. When I graduated, UMBC was like the safety school for the kids who couldn't get in community college. So. <laughs> I got into both community but, but and state. But, but UMBC got smart. They said, hey, we're an honors college. They put a name in the front, and then suddenly yeah. they were smart. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, that's I would, the way to do it. I would venture to say that the SAT requirements at UMBC and Liberty are vastly different. Probably now, but not when I graduate. Seriously, not when I graduate. Like, you, like uh, in 1996, UMBC was the, 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 uh, the bottom of the University of Maryland. And now, still the bottom. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I'm kidding. I went there and I didn't. You flunked out. That's I didn't problem. flunk. No, I had a 4.0 after my first year. And I was like, this was really easy. But their their music department wasn't great. <laughs> there was. But like, that's where I went. I was like, you know, and I was like, their music department's not great. And so I, I left there and I, then went to nine other schools. I cannot speak to the UMBC music department. No to, one can. No one can sing to it either. That's how bad it was. Yeah. So, all right, my listen. My wife graduated we, there. That's why I can't talk. Oh, man. All right, mm-hmm. never mind. Sorry, Jill. She did music, right? Mm-hmm. She's a great musician. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I take everything back I said mm-hmm. about uh, University of Maryland. <laughs> that might not make the edit. Nope, it What won't. are we talking about today? Today. So today we are going to continue the conversation. We began last week talking about how to reach the next generation. Last week we talked about... Uh, just some of the the overall why we do the things we do in church to reach the next generation, the importance and significance of youth ministry. And then today we're going to talk about some ways that we can reach out to our students, our teenagers, our children. I thought it'd be fun, a neat little exercise to begin since all of us have had experience in ministry and we've seen ministries we know that there are some things out there, some efforts that have been made to reach out to the next generation that are great. And then there are others that are like, no, what were you doing? And so I thought to kick us off to have a little fun today, since we haven't had any fun yet and we're 15 minutes in that we should just share some fun little stories and examples that we have seen in the world of people not doing a great job of reaching the next generation. My story is, um, and I think, I mean, we're all kind of connected here because I was the youth pastor at this church before Dave and then Dave came in after me. I think you led worship on the night of the story I'm talking about. And I know you were one of the kids that were there at the time. We had these this worship night called Unite where we got, you know, youth groups together from different areas. And it was this big worship concert. I think you and, the you know, your band led. But anyway, after the worship, we literally turned the lobby into a black light and smoke nightclub with EDM. And you remember this, Joe? <laughs> Like I thought it was cool at the time, and in any, I mean, I took a lot of time setting it up. I mean, I took took all the fluorescent tubes out of the the um, lights in there, and then went to Spencer's in the oh, mall no. and got a bunch of black light fluorescent tubes. Mm. And uh, I mean, we had music, we had, we had and and so I, I thought it was going to be like, you know, I turned it into like a dance club nightclub, and it was just a bunch of 
Baptist youth kids standing around awkwardly while lasers and smoke and blacklight yeah. and all was going on. And I mean, I think the kids had fun, but I was like, never again. Well, but, yeah, you tried to get kids to dance in a Baptist church. Well, it wasn't so much. Dance, it was just like trying to make them feel cool because they were at a nightclub. Like mm. that's, that was my idea. You know, because, of course, being in a nightclub is cool. So let me give you a nightclub with punch and cookies. So. Yeah. And pizza. I'm sure it was pizza. Pizza. Always pizza. So have to. In an effort to reach people with cool, there is a guy. And Dave, you're going to have to help explain who this is. But there's a thing that happened last week. So Lifeway got together with this ministry, like student ministry. Who's Lifeway? <laughs> they're, they're the, Yeah. <laughs> We, we're sponsored by Lifeway, so we can't say anything. Lifeway's great. No, we're, we're making jokes. We like to bust on everybody, but Lifeway is great. And um, so they partnered up with this, like, comedy group organization, Sunday Cool, that's kind of, like, ironically, like, hey, we're going to... And there's this guy named Cool Carl, has two L's at the end of Carl. Dave, can you kind of explain who Cool Carl is? I can try. I mean, I think it's just, it's like a, a bit that kind of is... Is a youth pastor who's trying to be cool through what medium? Is this Facebook, YouTube? It's f- Facebook and, and YouTube. And they, yeah. But they attaches itself to downloadyouthministry.com, which is a large uh, organization that handles a lot of various things. But there's an online community that that uh, you can be on on Facebook, and so he pops up every once in a while with. Some humorous videos, but it, you know, for youth pastors, we laugh because it's pretty much laughing at ourselves. Right. It's um, a character. It's a kid. Yeah, it's, it's a, a character pa- of of what really what it is. He's yeah. a little over the top. But then when cool. they got together with Lifeway, I think they went a little overboard on trying to make a parody. And people, uh, shocker that in the Southern Baptist world, didn't quite catch the the humor of it. Well, so what so they supposed did supposed to be a parody of a youth pastor. Yes. So no, he's a parody of a youth pastor, but yeah. what he's going to talk about was a parody of, of the Bible of the Bible, which is always funny. You should always do a parody <laughs> of the Bible. No. Yeah. So th- cool. Carl is this parody character. That's like, you know, here is a, a, a over the youth top pa- over the youth show. pastor. And so they worked a life way to put together a 30 day devotional for teenagers using the character of cool Carl and how cool Carl thinks Gen Zers would read the Bible. Is this live action or is this cartoon, by the way, human being, human being. Yeah. yeah. And so what happened was people got a hold of this devotion and they saw snippets of it and then they took it and ran and said, they're trying to do a Gen Z version of the Bible, which was not what they were doing. But, even if you know the character, if you, if you don't know the character of Cool Carl, like it's way over your head. Like I didn't get it at all. I read this stuff, but I want to give you some snippets and just for fun, I want to see if you guys can figure out what scripture Cool Carl is using Gen Z language on. Okay. Go for it. Cap G's words are one hundo straight up slicing and dicing and knowing it all. Anybody? <laughs> Is this straight from the King James? Straight from the, no. (laughs) The message. This is Hebrews 4.12 when it talks about all scripture is is God-breathed and profitable. Yeah. Let's try another one. This one's easier. (laughs) This one's easier. I'll have to cut this short. Since day uno, there was Cap G. Big J was chilling with Cap G. And Big J was Cap G. All right, last one. There's a couple more, but we'll just go with the last one. (laughs) So ridiculous. I got your holy scripts padlocked in my chest thumper. 
Hide God's word in my heart. Him, God's word in my heart. Too bad you guys don't have can see this on the video because while while Jeff was doing that, he was trying Hand to throw motion. his hands like he was. Holy smokes! The number of up. people who like railed on the message, which was never, you know, by Eugene Patterson, right. that that was never portrayed as a a translation. It's not. I mean, it was never considered a translation. Even Eugene Patterson says it's not a translation. It was a paraphrase. But people still went nuts on it, even though, I, I mean, I enjoy reading it as a, you know, as a kind of a study. Help, yeah. Yeah, study help. Um, But this is nonsense. Right, no, but it's nonsense. But it's a joke. But it was a joke. So, <laughs> yeah. like, it's supposed to be, like, and they weren't using, like, they would have the real scripture, and then they'd say, cool, Carl says Big G was hanging with Cap J, and you're, like, and it's supposed to be funny. And the people. For what age group? I don't know. Youth pastors. youth pastors, but the youth pastors then like a whole bunch of youth pastors defended it and was like, this is funny and da, 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 and we're just trying to reach the kids. And like, I read it to my son last night and his eyes got huge. And he said, I would never read that. And then when I said, no, it's, it's a parody. They're trying to be funny. He goes, then I would read it ironically and I would never show it to anyone who I would want to introduce to Jesus. So like that was, so Lifeway realized this was, yeah, that's almost idea. as bad as, you know, putting together a blacklight EDM yeah. nightclub. Yeah, almost. For almost. A bunch Not of as bad. Kids. Dave, yeah. what do you got? So, uh, you know, I've I've been doing Youth Week, which is a big event for for tons of years, and but but long long time ago, before I kind of worked through things that were good and bad, I used to have this game that would involve like uh, kids in in the beginning hitting each other over the head with like a soft bat, breaking an egg. On, on their on the other person's head. I mean, then that was fine. It was like a jousting type type thing. But one year I was flipping through and someone suggested that I use a fish. Oh no. And I was like, oh that's a great idea because you know it's stinky and smelly and blah blah blah. Well the problem like a live goldfish? No, no no like a fish. Like you would go to a fish market and buy like a fish. It was like this long. Sure. You know, and By then the way, would, we're in radio. So you, <laughs> okay, sorry. It was like twelve it was, inches long. It was long. It was a foot long fish. It was so. Well, the problem was was that I went out and I bought the fish. Didn't even think about it. But I mean, this was an un. This was a fish that you would just if, if you pulled out of the lake. And so the problem was was that it had spines on it, like the the fin oh. of it was pretty hard. And I played that. We played the whole game. Not a problem. Very last person. This I heard this girl go ow, and I look over and she had it had. It had poked her in the arm. And I'm like, okay, well, I got away with that. Pull it out, come to realize that it had poked into like a vein. And so all this blood starts squirting out. Now, again, by the way, to make sure her life was never in danger, but it looked like she was just like. So we're allowed to laugh because she's yes. okay. Because she is okay. Joe, Josiah is already laughing very hard at this. I appreciate it. She lived, so, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So it hit an artery because it yeah. was spurting. And, yeah, it was, yeah, it was spurting out. And uh, I don't know, Josiah might have found it funnier if she died. But uh, he, uh, but so, so that was a big thing because she was, uh, and it turned out she was like, she was not a church member. She was a friend. So that was all, that was a double banger. Yeah. She right ever come there. back? No. Yeah. Did you get a chance to teach to her there, you know, the words of Paul that to live is Christ, but to die is gain just mm -hmm. in case? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good for her. Yeah. Well, so, so we don't know that she lived. Well, no, I, I, I mean, she was a, she was a, a daughter of one of my wife's colleagues at her work. So I okay. know that she lived okay. and she well, was that's fine good. That's good. and it wasn't a thing, but they were, they, she was just a friend of somebody that came and I didn't even know she was who she was until. That's an interesting her. scar story. The reason you haven't heard that story is because the case has been pending and he's <laughs> not even allowed, exactly. but now he's the gag orders out. Before yeah. we move on, I need to tell you guys about this and, and I'm not going to go into the whole segment, but uh, there's one other one. 
I saw this on face, uh, not on Facebook, on YouTube years ago, and it's something I still go back to every now and again because I can't believe it still exists. There is a guy named Rick Pino, P-I-N-O, and make sure you look up his Dead or Alive cover of You Spend Me Round, like a record. He is like in the midst of this youth rally. There's tons of teenagers. They're all there, and the music is playing quietly, and he starts talking about God being holy and and how, you know, just like Moses, when he was in his presence, he took off his shoes. He goes, so here's what we're going to do. To recognize that we are in a holy place right now, everyone take off your shoes. It's fine. I'm like, okay, great. And then all of a sudden he goes, and while you're down there, grab a couple socks. And Homeboy begins to lead them in an eight-minute medley of spinning their socks oh, in the air no. going, you'll spin me right round, Jesus, right round. It's an eight-minute song, and they... It's, I don't know. They're all dancing like crazy. And then at one point he just stops and just goes to mess us up, mess us up, mess us up for like two minutes. And it's, I watched it again today and it's amazing. Rick Pino's you spin me around Jesus on YouTube. You can see the whole 10 minute video. It is something else. Well guys, let's move on to actually something of importance. Yeah. We're going to edit out that whole first 20 minutes. Um, so We'll get into that. Guys, we want to continue the conversation that we had last week. It was a a really important one because we recognize that in order to pass on our faith, we, we have to be intentional about that. That youth ministry, that student ministry, college ministry is significant. We are trying to do what we can to train up and raise up Christians, right? The difficulty now that we want to talk about today is what does that look like? particularly um, in relation to COVID, how that has kind of made things difficult. But one of the points we landed on last week was when we were talking about how parents really are the primary disciplers of their children, or they are to be the primary disciples of their children. And yet very often we've kind of missed the mark on that. And so Dave, since we have you here today, we just kind of wanted to pick your brain and see if there's some practical things that we can talk about that we can help the people who are listening who go, you know, I've got young people in my life that I want to help disciple um, and, and kind of just begin this conversation by branching off of what we we're just talking about, about how many times we have seen things geared towards uh, the next generation that just really kind of missed the mark. And so let me put a pin in that for a second. Yeah. So we've, and I think we talked about it a little bit last week. I knew we, we didn't prepare for this question, but what are your thoughts on calling the kids of our, of this what are, what are your thoughts on the term next generation? Because I've heard some people say, I don't like next generation. You know, they're not mm. the next generation of the church because they are the church. You know, they're not the next church. They are, the, you know, in this whole. But what are your thoughts on that label? I know some churches call them the new generation or they, they've they removed that label altogether because it seems to uh, put a separation between the now generation and then the next generation. Any thoughts? I mean, I think that there's there's pros and cons on both sides. I think the idea of... The reason that they say that uh, you're not the church of tomorrow, you're the church of today, right. is the concept of the that they're dealing with trying to get over that that wall that has been grown up over time. That when you reach a certain age, you become important in the church. Right. Um, but also, I don't think it's wrong for us to say that that they are the next generation in terms of if it, who are we supposed to be investing in, who is going to carry the word of God when we no longer can carry it. You know, there is no, everything else in the, in society and in the world looks at the idea of training up this basically a replacement. I mean, a replacement workforce, a replacement 
um, athletic team. I mean, you can't, people don't do things forever. And so I think it's fine. I think it's the attitude that comes along with it that you have to watch out for. Sure. I think if, 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 if you use next generation as a way to pigeonhole them into their abilities, then I think then that's a, that's a problem. It's the reasoning behind the word. It's more than the words. It's the yeah. attitude behind the words. I mean, you yeah. know, the millennials were called the next generation forever. Mm-hmm. And now millennials are, we're in our forties. So yeah, it's like, uh, we're, we're no, there's, it's not the next generation anyway. Anyway, you had some questions. Jeff. No, no, that's a good, because we, and I, and I think Dave, what you said is right on is that, yeah, we can look at them and, and understand that they are the church of today. We do need to be investing in them. I think sometimes we tell them that as a way to say, please don't leave. You know, because what we're, what we're going to say is, hey, we're not, we want you to understand that you have a role, that you have a, a, a place in our church right now. And so when we look at the next generation or the current generation, however you want to look at it, those that are younger than us that we are trying to train up and that we are trying to invest in as leaders in the church, but also as parents, what is the language of this generation that we're talking about? Like what makes them unique We've talked about how we have attempted things. We've seen things attempted to reach people where they are. And we go, man, you just missed the mark because that's not the language they speak. So what is the language of this culture? Cool what Carl. makes them up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think part of part of understanding any language of any generation, I think, is is looking at what created and what's what was the world that they live in. And I'm not just I'm not talking the whole earth, but the, the world that they consider their their sphere of influence. And, and if we look at it, I, I think that this generation now, the let's say the, the kids and the, and the youth that are uh, existing, they, they live in a very different world than what we would say. I mean, I think all of us in here, I mean, except for Josiah, we would have said that we, the, we grew up in the 90s. And even and for Josiah, he even grew up in the early 2000s. Well, we came you of know, age. We came of age. You know, yeah. like things that we started to make choices about. Like we sure. started to understand things. But if you think about this generation right now, like think of the things that they consider commonplace. Like the idea that, um, you know, for them, America is no longer a happy-go-lucky state. It's no longer safe. Like they don't know a world before. Columbine. But Columbine, yeah. 9-11. Yeah. All the all these things that's life for them, and for us, we look at it and say, "I remember where I was then, and remembered a life before that." I can remember leaving my shoes on when I got in an air, airplane and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, you know. But for them, is they the world has created the idea of like that there isn't um, there uh, the things that aren't normally that we would consider a taboo topics, things that would make us blush or make us kind of be like, I don't know if we want to talk about it. That's commonplace for them. You know, they're... Uh, Specifics. Like, what's a topic that we would... Well, homosexuality. On? Okay, sure. sure. You know, like, I mean, uh, were there were there homosexuals in my school? Absolutely, I believe that there were. But sure. I but nobody would know who they who they were, you know, and now mm-hmm. they, they have friends. Certainly, if there was something, they would keep it down. Uh, you know, any sort of sexual orientation, any sort of be- beliefs, like... I remember in my high school, I'd say that the majority of the students at a public high school in the 90s in northern Baltimore County would have at least gone to church. Mm-hmm. Now, they may not believed any of it. They may have at lived however they wanted to live the other days. But on Sundays, they were at a church or a cathedral or a synagogue or whatever. They had some sort of faith in that. But this is they don't have the same kind of 
of of thing and the, you know and i think that that has grown into them being brutally honest and they lo- they like it that way they mm-hmm. lo- they want to hear the truth and they like they have they like to they also give it out i'm sure as you have two yeah two middle schoolers they tell you how it is well, all my, the time my kids what i've noticed and what i was thinking about in in prep for this is that i i just feel like my kids are smart and I, I know here come the jokes, but I feel like my kids are smarter than my kids are smarter than me now, but my kids are mm-hmm. definitely smarter than I was when I was 13 years old and, and they're Book more smart or street smart. Both. Yeah. I mean, I, I, both because they have so much access to information. They are seeing information all the time and they're having in-depth conversations about complicated topics, about things that in our home that we have conversations about. What does it mean to have friends who um, who are homosexuals or what does that mean? You know, issues of abortion and life and stuff. And I'm going, I don't remember having these conversations when I was 13 years old that this generation coming up. And I know this is considered a four letter word. I mean, it is a four letter word, but it, they considered a bad four letter word that this generation is woke. Right. And like we use that that's currently used as an insult, which I mean, it can be, I mean, we can take it too far, but there are times where we go, these kids have a better understanding of the way that the world is currently working than we do. And I definitely didn't have that. And I think you're right. I, I think coming out of the the experiences that we've had, um, seeing what life was like before and, you know, we, and we see it on Facebook every time, every time you get on, there's somebody of an older generation going, I remember when I would ride my bike, you know, over to creepy Carl's house, you know, and we would stay there overnight and everything was fine. And we drank from the hose and there was never any problems. Um, yeah, you stayed out late until mom. Stayed out late, uh, yeah. and I think one of the things that I'm starting to see, and I think, and is that going back into that America thing, but then also seeing in their relationship of of parental um, discipleship and roles in their lives was that, you know, when I was growing up, I, I had a plan in life. Like my parents, my parents never directed me toward a plan, but the way they had their lives, it was a very, it was a stable life. Like they had a job. They went to work every day. They came home. We had dinner. You know, you went out and played ball in the backyard. But you think about now these generations, they're, they've lived through one recession, potentially two recessions. <laughs> they have seen their their fam, their parents' lives thrown into chaos, be losing their jobs, downsizing, furloughs, having to work jobs that they didn't go to school or plan on doing. And I think that has affected their desire for or they feel, feel that they there is a need for a life plan and that's that's not good or bad it's just i think they're starting to not be it's not i'm going to high, graduate high school go to college find a girl get married work a job for a couple of years have 2.5 kids move into the house you know it's right. all these it's like le- all the way to retirement and now it's like well I, I figure i'll probably have to work 15 jobs before and I, why would i want to and I can move around, but if I get married or if I have, you know, if I have kids, I'm tying myself down to a place when maybe I need to be able to be able to move around yeah. wherever the work is type stuff. And I think too, and I mentioned this when we were doing youth week, which was, we are living through a time. So growing up, I always looked at my parents and the generation ahead of me as, as you guys had figured it out. Like you made mistakes, but then you were stable. The plans had worked, follow this plan and everything works. We are now just thinking about COVID in a time where literally every single person on the planet has no idea what tomorrow looks like. And, and kids are seeing the adults go, I don't know what to make of this. I think 
many of us adults are not handling it very well. Um, this is not a position we like to be in. Kids are kind of used to fluidity and, and things. And so that I think as well, it, it may undercut some of the confidence that kids have in the future in the generations above them to go, you guys are figuring this out as you go. And that's messy. And that, that makes things difficult. I mean, we've, we've just decided to pull our kids out of school and it's like, dad's going to homeschool you. Uh, no, dad's going to tell you how to <laughs> access Liberty online. And I'm just going to make sure you do your work. But I mean, it's, it's new for everybody. And that makes things. So understanding that, that there's a different language, that this is a completely different type of generation. Their experiences are completely different than what we had. And then what the generation above us had, what are these challenges? How does this make it difficult working with the youth? How does it make it difficult speaking their language? What do those challenges look like? And how can old people like us speak it? That's tough saying that we're old, isn't it? I know. I know. Uh, um, well, you already jumped on one, which I think is, was really good. The idea that, that you know, the information absorption of, of young people is so much faster than ours. Yeah. You know, their ability to um, see things and interpret them and then regurgitate them is so much faster than ours. I mean, sure. I remember, you know, the when we used when I was young, they used to make the joke that my my, you know, my grandmother would call me up to go put put the time onto the VCR. Right. Because for me, I could look at it and understand it. And she would be like, it's a foreign language to me. And now we look at it and we see how much now we're asking our kids to do the Roku and stuff like that because right. they are able to do. But just their general knowledge of of things of the world, the interaction, the absorption of them is, is so much faster than ours. And that's challenging because I know I mean, my my job is to immerse myself in what's going on in the youth. And it's hard for me to keep up mm. because it's just like it is so much faster and. You know, the in, the influences and the influencers in their lives come at a much faster rate. The people that are in and are popular and are influencing and the, the fads and all the 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 music, all this kind of stuff that doesn't have the same kind of length. You know, I've seen that I've seen it in art like musical artists all the time it used to be when we were growing up. If, a, if an artist put out an album once every three, four years, that was pretty quick. Now you're seeing them pull it out one every year because yeah. the record labels know if we don't keep this person on the forefront of a per of a listening, he gone. They're gone. Yeah. They're going to be replaced by fifty other people. And so that's the the kind of idea. You know, people still try to use how to books. It's just that they're by the time they're written, it's a shorter amount of time yeah. that they can be there. And guess what? We keep getting older. They keep staying the same age. Yeah. So is it possible, because I know you're saying that they absorb information faster. So as I'm listening to you, I'm just processing and, and trying to think through. Is it possible that we are in more, we grew up in more of an in-depth world. We would read from start to finish. Sure. They are growing up in a TLDR world. Too long didn't read. I mean, even, I, you know, I'd, I'd go to CNBC.com and I read there and every single art or pretty much every single article on the website or on the internet now has the full article, but up top has like three points of a TR, a TLDR. Like here's, if you don't want to read it, here's the boom, boom, boom points, and then you can move on to the next one. And the kids are growing up in that where we didn't have, I mean, we barely had cl the cliff notes. Like that was like, right. that was new technology when we were like, let's just read the cliff notes. But we're growing up in a cliff note world now, a 140 character world. So I wonder if, are they absorbing faster than we are? Or are, are they absorbing just a shallow than we are like could we take more time we get deeper our generation but they are just a skip 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 along 
I don't oh, know. Oh, uh, no, no. I think it's I think it's a, 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 not just a faster, but it's faster because it's less time. I mean, nobody's nobody's watching a YouTube video that's super long. And nobody's you, listening to an hour-long right. podcast. No, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> except old people. <laughs> except that's why they always have commercials. Right. Uh, but you think about it, like this: the yeah, perfect example would be, and I, you, you can tell me if I'm saying this wrong, but but Quibi or or that. I think Quibi. so. Yeah, Quibi. Yeah. Like it's ten minutes ten a day. Minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it. I'm looking at. I'm like, why would I want to sit and watch ten minutes of an episode of a show right. when I would? Why would I just want to watch the whole show? Right. But for this generation, and for the obviously, it has somebody did market research and said they would rather see 10 minutes of a show every day and just you know binge watch as they so choose as opposed to actually sitting and watching it and i think it is i think it's shorter it's it's getting shorter and shorter all the time and so if you have a generation that is shallow but wide right and then you've got another generation trying to reach out to them and say no let's slow down and let's go deep how do old people like us, right? Because, I mean, now we, we are considered old in their eyes um, and also everyone's eyes. But if how do, we, how do we minister to them? How do we reach out to them? How do we speak their language? Can we speak their language? And if we can't, what do we do about it? Well, I think the first thing is that you can't speak their language because by the time you figure out their language, the next, the next language is out there. But what you can do is... Um, we can understand that we it's substance versus style when it comes to how we communicate with them. You know, mm. they, they used to say, and I think it's even younger now, they used to say to youth pastors, when you become 24, no longer consider yourself to be cool with your youth. You know, it, you're now uncool. So we aren't cool. You know, 24. <laughs> regardless of your regardless of your political bend on anything, I think that the, the generation right now is younger is laughing at all of this this stuff about the TikTok ban. Like, I think they're <laughs> laughing because yeah. they said, you can shut that down, but something else is going to take our attention. Like, right. you know, we used to love Facebook, then we loved Twitter, then we loved Instagram, now we love Snapchat. Like, our lives will find a new addiction online, right. a new app to play. So you can pretend that TikTok somehow is the the worst thing in the and is going to fix all the problems in America if you ban it. But we're just going to say in two or three weeks we're going to read about the that that this thing is the next the next app. The next app. Yeah. Um, and so you know if we accept that they're that the first thing you have to do is accept that that their world is not our world, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad world. You know, we we have to as old people, old people have to say because it's different. It's not bad. It's just different. Right. Is there bad stuff in it? Sure. There was bad stuff back then. Right. Um, but I always think that the, if you truly want to inject into a young person's world, it's not how you talk. It's sacrificing your time to be with them because it does not matter how you communicate. It's do you take time to actually try to communicate with? Well, isn't that the irony of all of this? We're talking about the older generation who we're saying takes time. We go deep. And then we're talking about the younger generation who doesn't take time and go wide. And you're saying that what we need to do is take time for the kids that want time. But that's the complete opposite of the verbal communication we're talking about here. You're Mm -hmm. saying the, the wide generation needs to go deep and the deep generation needs to stay deep. But in very many ways, the deep generate, we don't want to take the time to go hang out with the young kids, even though that's what's necessary. I don't know. It's investment. 
it comes down to well, it's we, a physical presence. Right. It, it's, and I know in COVID that's tough, but right. but some sort of presence because again, if when we're when you're there, you may not understand what you're seeing in terms of how they're communicating with each other as yeah. as one peer to another, but they know you're there. They know and they know that you've had you have choices that we all have choices with our time and yet you are sacrificing what you probably want to do with yeah. whatever that is to be involved in and be in their realm, even if you don't understand it. And I think when we, anyone understands that that's really what they're looking for, it opens up doors because if we try to be cool or we try cool to Carl. speak their language, cool car, yeah, if we, if we try to be cool car, we're gonna spend all of our time trying to be cool car, or trying to figure out that while they're just passing us by saying, well, I've got friends, I've got a ton of friends that all do stuff and I think they're cool and you're trying to do it yeah. and you're not. So I'm just going to keep going. It's being present. And then when the time comes where they go, you know what? I need someone in my life to speak into things. You have been there and you have earned the right to be heard. And so you mentioned COVID. I want to get into kind of the, the meat here for just a second. Well, I want to, I want to get into that and, and make sure we have time for it. But to transition a little bit, last week we talked about the like the significance of parental involvement and not just like, oh, hey, parents should be involved, but ultimately that parents are the primary discipler of their children. So can you kind of speak to that and like what role parents need to have in the discipleship of their children? Well, the first thing, and as a parent, you know, and as a parent of a brand new teenager, I, I, I understand this even more and more is that. Whether parents verbally or consciously disciple their kids, they're discipling their children by ha- by who they are. Yeah, that they are the prime they're the primary thing. Now, and, and even if it, the parents who aren't involved, that pay, say a parent leaves or whatever, or, or a parent dies, that is still influencing the development and the worldview of their child just by even that i mean and so they're the primary determination of a lot of the psyche of their children even if they're not doing it and so we think about that is that you know parents spend a lot of time rightfully so especially early in life teaching behavior-based instructions you know don't touch the heart hot the hot stove don't do this don't do that do this don't do that because that's how we teach kids how to not you know stick their hand in a meat grinder, right. you know, but I think that the, the constant issue is that how do we transition into the idea of that our relationship with God and their relationship with God should not be behavior based? Are there behaviors that we should as believers reflect in our relate as followers? Absolutely. But God is not his, he doesn't view us based purely on, our behavior, sure. you know, that he understands that we're going to fail. And as a parent, our relationship and our discipleship of understanding is that our, uh, our child is not a good Christian because they don't go out and drink on the weekend. They don't have sex. They don't do drugs. They go to church. I mean, these are all things that hopefully as a, if their, if their kid is being discipled and is growing, would choose not to participate in, but it doesn't necessarily make them a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ. It just means that they're doing the stuff that is that they're uh, required. I like to call it, um, when I talk to some parents, is that intentionally discipling young people is about walking in the gray. Um, is that that all everything about their lives at this point in time that they come in into with adults is about black and white. You know, 
You go to school, there are rules, black and white. There's very little gray. A lot of times at home, there's a lot of black and white. You're playing on a sports team, black and white. All these things, but their lives are full of gray. Mm-hmm. Their lives are full of questions and doubts, and they don't understand. And they've got, um, you know, their pastor says that, um, you know, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, but their best friend is a Muslim. Are they going to, is their best friend going to hell? Sure. Um, you know, he hasn't done anything. He's a great guy. He's actually probably a better guy than me when it comes, you know, right. they're asking these questions. And if we want to intend, be intentional about discipling is we as parents have to walk in and say, okay, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to sit down and try to navigate and discuss this, this gray area uh, of faith and, and of life. And I think when parents get over the, the fear of having to tell their kid, they don't know. Yeah. Then I think that's huge because you know, Parent, when kids ask, why do I have to do that? Because I said so. You right. know, it's like we right. have the answer. Even though we don't have the answer, that's like the the final answer is that because I said so kind of gives us this high moral ground yeah. on everything. Because I said so doesn't work at all. It used to, mm-hmm. I think, before the internet. So Andy Stanley makes this point that, uh, you know, back in the day, y- y- you could just impart faith to children and they they wouldn't question, but because they couldn't question if they wanted to find a contrarian view or a different worldview or someone who was um, against the faith and asking hard questions, like a, you know, a, an atheist, a Carl Sagan, or say, you know, something like that, they would have to go to a library, find a book, sit down and read a book. Now they just tip of their fingers. They have Reddit. They have a Twitter. They have all these people who are questioning our faith and doing so in a very intelligent way with intelligent questions that very many adults aren't um, prepared to answer because we didn't have to answer them back in the day. We were just imparted of faith. Right. And so that gray is a, is an area that has always been there. It's just a matter of now we have access to it. Our kids have access to it. And I would say, so you're talking about parents discipling and you know, you, you sort of mentioned like they disciple through commission or omission, like in what they do or what they don't do. Um, I, I can't remember if we talked about this last week with Justin or not, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm over the, the, even with adults and in politics, I'm over like, you know, people can't do this or people can do this. Like I'm over the rules instead of the rules. Jesus kind of changed this 2000 years ago, go to the heart. So like talk politics, man, uh, you know, it's, should we make uh, abortion illegal? Like, man, that would be awesome if abortion was illegal, but what is that going to change if a woman wants to get an abortion? The point is not that they can get an abortion. You can go out and do drugs. I mean, you can go out and do, you can do anything you want to do. Any child can do anything they want to do. The point is, and the, the most important part is they want to do that. And the, so as a parent is trying to capture a heart, um, that's the gray area that I think matters most. And it's, it's a, enough with you can't do this because I said so start trying to teach them and to capture and have the Holy spirit capture their heart that they don't want to do some of the things that we don't want them to do instead of just laying out the black and white dealing the messy of the gray and the messy gray is the matter of the heart. But ultimately it comes down to what you were talking about and, and, and it's messy. The unintentional versus the intentional discipleship that there are times where we will say, do as I say, and then we leave off the not what I do, but that that's what we mean. And so, as you said, the kids are watching. And so if we tell them, this is how you're to live your life. This is how you are to um, carry out your faith and make it your own. But we aren't doing that. No. Then 
all of a sudden the kids are going to go, this isn't real to you. See right through it. Yeah, we talked about this. And the kids, I mean, these days, if you're listening, you're not a kid, probably. Um, The kids are smarter than we are. And they can see through our hypocrisy really, really well. Like, they're really good at figuring out what's fake and what isn't. And so, for us, we have to go, I can't just say, kid, here's how I want you to live. And then live differently than that. That instead of almost... I mean, certainly we need to teach. Certainly we need to kind of intentionally disciple, but there has to be a sense of if my kid is not seeing me do this, then it's not going to get any kind of hooks. In well, and that's, that's the ugly truth. I think uh, that, that doesn't sell books uh, when it look, when, when, uh, when it doesn't put articles in, when you look at people that say, why are young people leaving the church when they get turned 18, 20, whatever, and then aren't coming back, you know, we come up with all these reasons that they're all have valid pieces but I think that we, ha- we have to hold the mirror up to us because what has happened is, is that far before they woke up at 18 or far before they walked into a philosophy class at their college, sure. they saw that the adults that walked in the church didn't put value in God, didn't mm. put value in discipleship, didn't put value in every day, living every day following Christ. And so if they're standing there and then some person who is super smart or someone who is super rational comes along and says, "Hey, this is an option," and they they're they're passionate about it and they're they are living it. Well, why wouldn't they go with that? And and we we blame a lot of things, all of them valid, but a lot of times it comes down to is that far before they turn eighteen, they've decided, whether consciously or unconsciously, that God is not a value to them because of what they see from their parents and their adults in their lives. Yeah. yeah. Parents, parents have created the holes that they have viewed in childhood. And then, like you said, we, we blame a, a philosophy professor in, in college or something, but all they're doing is just opening up the holes and the tears that are already there. Let me, yeah. let me ask the next question. Um, just cause I want to ask a question. <laughs> I'll allow it. Perfect. <laughs> and I'm going to ask the question after a bathroom break. I got to pee real bad. <laughs> <laughs> We will now go to commercial. So COVID has given parents an opportunity that I'm not sure whether some, some parents I'm sure are taking advantage and some aren't um, to take the primary role in their child's discipleship. What's always been theirs, quite honestly, but now they're forced to because we're quarantined. And so I know some parents, I'm sure, are just kind of fudging through it. Some parents might be doing a good job and some parents are punting like, you know, it's just the spectrum. So could you give five things, if you could, uh, five things that parents can do in during this time, specifically of COVID, where we're all together and we've, we're tired of seeing each other in the living room, <laughs> just five things that parents could do to help be the primary discipler of their children? Sure. Um well, I think when I was thinking about it, I was trying to say, like, I don't I don't just want to say, hey, you know, subscribe to these five podcasts or get these four books or whatever. So I, I kind of put a couple things in, but I also started thinking about what what if as a parent, would I want someone to say uh, to me? And, and I think one of the first things, and we've kind of threaded this throughout the podcast, is the idea is that we as parents need to cut out information sources that look only at the negatives of youth and use in use information sources that see the potential uh, that God has for them. So stop looking, 
Stop only trying to click on the articles or looking for the things that say, this is the 10 things that your kids are getting into that you don't know about, or these are all these problems that this generation has or whatever, but look instead to like places that say, you know what, your teen or your kid or has, has potential because God says that they can do great things. I mean, all throughout the Bible, we see young people being used by God. And why does that change until now? Like I put in a couple like... Um, Walt Mueller has a website called cpyu.org. It's Center for Parent Youth Understanding. And I mean, Walt is not a young man, but what he years ago, he was very smart. He put together a team that constantly gets younger and they invest in, 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 in learning about and viewing the pop culture, the world, decisions, things like that. And then saying, okay, as a parent and as a believer, Here's what's going on. And here's how you can talk to your kids. Here's how you can interact with your children about this and know where it's coming from. And, but also having a godly side so that you can be reinforced when you talk to them about it. But it doesn't shy away from anything that is taboo or, or stuff. They understand that they have to be, they can be the gatekeeper of a lot of this stuff for you. Um, Kara Powell. Uh, carapal.com. Uh, she's a uh, she's out in California at Fuller uh, Youth Institute, and like the uh, she's a parent. She has a parent uh, uh, of she's a professor, but she also has uh, kids that are in college, kids that are in high school. I think she might even still have one that's in elementary school. But her looking into the idea of who I am as a person, I have I'm supposed to have all these answers as a leading youth speaker and professor and all this kind of stuff. But I still struggle with understanding why my daughter is wearing purple makeup, that kind of thing, you know, like, you know, and, and she brings in all this wisdom that she gains as a professor, but then she also says, it doesn't mean that I have it all down, that I still struggle. And then, um, uh, Doug Fields and Josh Griffin, they have a website called downloadyouthministry.com. And while it has a lot of it based for youth pastors and youth workers, I highly recommend that parents use that because there's a lot of resources and there's a lot of like there's podcasts and videos and training that that say hey as a parent let's talk you know let's help you out um Doug Fields wasn't he like what original like why yeah he like, was I mean he he wrote like the four uh uh what was Rick Warren's book uh 40 Four days, days purpose purpose but oh, he's purpose like life. purpose driven yeah. life and now yeah. and then and then Doug Fields who was at That's that right, church was wrote a, the this the the purpose driven youth life but i mean but the amazing thing about what Doug has done and while for us as youth pastors we love him so much is that he has grown up from being a kid a 20 something through older youth ministry having kids stepping away from youth ministry while his kids were in youth group and then going and back in and he's he understands both providing wisdom but he also says look i need to be providing things for young people young youth leaders young parents who who need constant in this world of constant need for information and stuff like that um we've already talked about no more do as i say as i don't do you want to enhance your own um discipleship efforts discuss what it's doing for you hmm. If you're not if you're not seeking discipleship with God, then don't come to your kid and say, "Hey, I'm going to disciple you," because you're basically you're dumping from an empty pot into them, and they're not going to get anything of it, and they're going to get dissuaded by it. Um, I would highly recommend you find a parental mentor, seek out parents who are grounded in their faith who have, have been recently where you're at. So if you have a middle school 
find a parent that has a high schooler now. Find who have a high schooler, find a parent who has a college student. If you're a if a, like a fourth, fifth grader, find a middle school parent. Somebody <coughs> sorry, who's walking through who has walked through the life recently so they can have a their information and their thoughts aren't really that far off, but that wisdom can be huge even if it's just frustration talk. Even if it's just being able to sit down and say my kid is doing this and it's just driving me up the wall. And to have somebody say, you'll survive. Yeah. Or I did this and it helped. It's huge. Um, it takes a village to raise a parent. Uh, for use gifts. And I, I, I thought this was a big for me as I'm trying to. I have a sixth grade daughter now who is into art. She's not into sports. She's not into Star Wars. She's not into Marvel movies. Um. So you have failed as a parent. I know. Well, I'm not into art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she she's into she's into drawing. And so my thing is, is do, can I use the gifts and interests that she has to dive into the gray areas? So, you know, I my goal is I spend time with her while she's drawing and doing things that gives her joy. And I find that it opens up doors to discuss her day, discuss things that are going on because she's doing something that she enjoys. And so she feels more comfortable. But if I go, hey, Julie, let me talk to you. And I come over and sit her down and then sit on the other side. Let's talk about Jesus. Yeah. It's like going to talk about our Lord and Savior. Yeah. It's 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 not going to work. Sure. But because she's doing something else. And and the last one for me is is get resources that your kids or your youth or your college pastor is uh, is using. You know, every parent should be getting the copies of the the outlines for the series that we that we do like and for your kids ministry and what they do like find out what it is know what your know what your student or your child is doing at church ahead of time and so when they come down home and you get into that gray area you have you know what they've been discussing and you know hey this might be something that i can open up with uh them about you know listen to podcasts of people in the trenches um and one of the things that I'm going to try to do this year in opening up is I'm for the National Youth Workers Convention this year is digital because of COVID. Sure. And so I'm getting all of when they do the thing, I'm going to get all the audio things and get a license for it and basically open it up to parents and say, hey, here are all the topics that we went over. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of spiritual theology stuff that's there, but then there's a ton of practical stuff and say, here, take it listen to it. They might give you some help in talking to your kids about this or that or something that they're going through because you know what? I don't, maybe you have, maybe they know that their kid's struggling with cutting or something like that. And instead of kind of saying, Hey, you know what? Let's see if I can get Dave to talk to my child again, cutting. Maybe this will help them give them the confidence to talk to them about it. Well, Dave, we asked you to bring uh, five things um, and he wrote, brought 40. And that's amazing. That's Under five. I got a bonus one that's funny, though. Moral of the story is there's a lot of free resources yeah. online. Correct? A lot of things. And that those are you things that do. I guess we could throw up on Twitter, Instagram, 100%. And website. All of that that Dave gave uh, will be in the show notes. We'll include links and just write ups. I'll need you to send me that um, packet that you're reading <laughs> from because uh, that's a that's spiral bound notebook. Yeah, Though I do right. have to say in the, as a bonus one, I just to say it, as funny as this sounds. And I've been saying it for years and it still has never gone away. If you if you want to get just a little bit of time for both humor, but some also some wisdom is go to library, go to Barnes and Nobles, whatever like that, and and buy Zitz 
comic books. Zits? Zits. zits. I had zits. enough zits when I was a teenager. You yeah. know, so it's a normal, it's a Sunday cartoon that, you know, they put into books, you know, of all these things. But it's about a family with a son uh, who's, a, who's in middle school and high school. And the... The humor is is great. You'll laugh in you all the time, but the wisdom of understanding it gives a great thing of what he's going through as a teenager and what parents are going through looking at him as a teenager. And the principles in there. And so I've always told parents like get that just because you'll be amazed how much you'll learn about your student just by reading that. Yeah. And and it's funny and, he, and the guy who writes it has two two uh three kids. Two all have been through through thing through a uh, girl and boy that have gone through uh the teenage years. So it's really really good, but it's just something that kind of if you need a laugh but then also a little bit of wisdom. Speaking well, of talking a different language. Yeah. What's Barnes and Noble? What oh, Barnes on dot com, and, dot com, oh, dot com. Dot com. Oh, Amazon, sorry. They, yeah, what are they? But sell? Amazon's not partners, so I was trying to like you know maybe get you guys a little Barnes yeah, and Noble sponsor. sponsored by Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. Yeah, no, you do. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean laughter is something we could really use these days as well. But before we get to laughter, let's get sad and depressed real quick. Ooh. Tim, why don't you kick us off? So we, we, Dave, we come now to the part of the episode where we confess something, where we say, "Listen, we understand that the church hasn't done everything right all the time, but we are part of the church." We are the ones who uh, who tend to fail, and we want to be real honest about that to encourage our our listeners to reflect on their own issues and where they may have dropped the ball. And so, uh, this is the time where we come out and we talk about all of your really dirty uh, problems that you have. We like to ask you to. I'm just kidding, Tim. Why don't mm-hmm. you kick us off? So, confession in youth ministry, there's there's always a danger of having a warm body syndrome with parents when you need chaperones, all kinds of different stuff. And so let me, let me say first, I'm thankful to the Lord that I don't know of any impropriety that happened in any matter of, you know, having, you know, adults in with youth ministry, but you know, eyes are opened in a new time and a new age, especially now we don't do that anymore. And we require background checks and all that kind of stuff. But 12 years ago, you know, as a youth pastor, we didn't care about youth, you know, or, excuse we me, care about youth. we didn't care about background <laughs> checks. And that was a Freudian slip there. <laughs> we um, didn't care, kids. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we was just like, oh, you're willing? Great. Wonderful. And mm, sure. I just, I think back on that now and I'm so thankful to the Lord. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I just, I, I, it's what everybody was doing. But I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of sad that I, I may have, you know, I don't know of any impropriety, but I may have put kids at risk and all that kind of stuff because it was just, oh, it was just finding somebody that threw their hands up. Great. You can come and be a part of, uh, you know, the youth ministry. And so I'm glad that times have changed. But, um, yeah, I just, I think back on some of that. Yeah, good one. Dave, you're up. <laughs> I don't know how you follow uh, predatory behavior. That's, thing. <laughs> that's why I said, Dave, you're up. <laughs> um, you know, I, well, I, I think we talk about discipleship and we talk about how the things that we say and do in ourselves are things that, that follow us. And, and, and I was thinking about, you know, for me, you know, I, I, one of the things that if I could go back even here in my, my eight years here would be, is, is that when I first came, I like was in June of my first year. And, and, uh, I, I, uh, I made a, I made a sarcastic quip in the senior, uh, the, like the seniors, you don't have to nod that high. You weren't it. You weren't even, in it. <laughs> uh, 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 Sunday school class was that, that, that basically because, you know, they're leaving and everything like that, that they were dead to me. And, and it was said nicely in a joking, sarcastic way, not like I pulled out a knife on them, 
But I definitely came come to learn that that was not the right thing to say. And here, and and I can't, I can't chalk that up to being a young youth minister, being twenty four, something like that. I was in my thirties, like I had yeah. been a seasoned youth pastor, and I, I misread a situation. Read and, the room, yeah. yeah. Um, but one of the things that it did remind me of even today is is that from the moment I walk in the door of any situation as whether it's here or at my house or anywhere is is that there the things that I say and do reflect upon my relationship with God and my effectiveness of being able to disciple hmm. young people and you know and because I'm always getting my ministry is full of le- ones that leave and ones that come in I'm always getting new because and I'm all, and I'm also seeing ones leave and so it was a good lesson for me that I had to learn the hard way. But sometimes I think in ministry, we have to learn the hard way because that's sometimes that's the only way that it really sticks and gives us wisdom for the long term. Yeah. You know, if we don't ever get burned, then maybe we don't ever learn. That's a good one. All right. My turn to confess. And I don't like this one because um, I've not enjoyed I've not enjoyed this segment very much. At all. I mean, I enjoy making fun of you, Tim, when we Great. have these things. But uh, this is not fun for me. When is confession ever fun? That's the point. <sighs> no, but I thought it was going to be funnier and funnier it, like, to confess like no failures and faults. Yeah. But like I was going to be like lighthearted. This is this is a real one. And this is a, this is a big time. Like I had to confess to Josie last week. This is even worse. This makes me feel worse. Um, that is bad. So when COVID hit, we're talking about parents being the primary disciplers of their kids. And I, as a minister, a pastor, full-time Jesus person have significantly dropped the ball on that. Like I have, yeah, I have been totally willing to relegate the discipleship of my kids to the church. I'm here. I know the people, this is good. I know that I can't speak the language, but too often I have hidden behind that. And COVID has really brought to the forefront, like the failure in that area. Um, when, when you can no longer have your kid going to camps and going to youth groups and going to this, then all of a sudden. And, and so when, when COVID hit and we had the quarantine, the, my wife and I, Jen, we would say just survive, right? Like do what you can to survive right now. Kids, like if you're staying up till four in the morning to do your homework, cause you just want to get a jump on it just survive. There's no wrong answer right now. We don't know what's going on. We also thought that COVID was going to last for like two weeks. Like we thought we would get a better handle on it and it wasn't going to totally disrupt our whole world, but it did. And in that time I got pretty lazy and, and intentionally discipling, just going, just everybody write it out. We'll all get back to normal. And Dave, you know that my kids frequently missed the youth zoom because we just weren't paying attention. Like we, we would say, Oh yeah, kids, by the way, seven o'clock, you've got your youth zoom. And they'd be like, okay, well, seven 30 would roll around and I'm running around doing something else. And I'm going, you know what? I didn't even set an alarm to go kids, go get on the zoom. And you would have to text me and be like, dude, your kids are not in this thing. And I'm like, oh man. And that's, that's not on my kids. That's on me. And, and even outside of saying, Hey, go to your youth zoom meetings. Like it just, it's just been a, everybody survive, just get through this. This is a tough time. And, uh, and I've, I feel like I've been doing well, pouring a lot of time into the ministry and helping other people get through this kind of difficult time. But my own kids, I think have, have suffered in that. And as a result, uh, they're terrible now. They're the absolutely, they're addicted to crack the um, now, but so sorry, kids, uh, daddy's going to try to be better. So let's, let's wrap this up and let's try not to be sad anymore. Let's find some good examples of great Christian people, people who are nailing it and that we should, uh, commend. And so when I thought about this, I really thought, 
I wanted to try to find some parents that I think are really doing a good job of discipling their kids. And I want to be honest, I thought of a handful. Um, I didn't want to just like call out their names, but I mean, by and large, I don't think from my experiences that parents are doing an, an incredible job of discipling their kids. We have basically said, church, you take them, you do something with them. I'm a testament to that as well. And so here's who I want to um, applaud. Here's who I want to say, this is a really good and we should honor them. Um, when we did the the bad church leader episode, I, I lifted up and, and pointed to uh, local pastors. And today I want to talk about local youth pastors, um, particularly during this COVID time, because I've seen Dave, you and other youth pastor friends looking on the, the download youth ministry website, people who are struggling to go, man, I'm trying to minister to these kids. I'm trying to do everything I can to get creative with games, with zooms, with reaching out. And I just can't get these kids connected. The parents aren't doing so many youth pastors are breaking their backs to try to minister and to do things to help these kids. And it's, and it's been a very difficult time and they've worked really hard to do it. And what ultimately ends up happening is that when the kids are not looking like Jesus, then the parents are real quick to go, how dare you not get my kid to be the next Billy Graham. And it's like, and hopefully in the, in these last two podcasts, we've, we've hopefully said and had people here, if you have kids who are teenagers, you are the primary discipler. If something is going wrong, you need to be the ones to go, man, where have I dropped the ball? Um, and most likely for a youth pastor who's getting these kids for maybe one hour a week, the damage that that youth pastor is doing or, or the benefit of that youth pastor, whichever way you look at it, uh, is not as significant as what you're doing. And so as parents, we've got to do better and uh, send your youth pastor a, a thank you card and a $25 gift card to Outback Steakhouse. Dave, no, let's go with Tim. So by I, the way, please make sure you record that, Josiah, and make it so I'll be uh, we're gonna edit I'll be I'll ring be waiting tone. for the $25 gift certificate from, from Jeff. So it's going to be right. Dave's ringtone. He, he's going yeah. to get that, just that little <laughs> clip, and he's going to listen to it every night yep. before he goes yeah. to bed, that two minutes and Somebody 30 seconds loves or something. Me. Uh, I'm special. I feel like we might be a little off the rails here because we're talking about parents being the, you know, the discipler, and then you just mentioned you know, how great youth pastors are doing, and I'm getting ready to mention an organization that is not parents. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is not a blanket endorsement because I don't know everything about this this um, organization but what I do know about YWAM um, youth with a mission is I, I, everything I've seen about it I assume Dave you can tell me if I'm if I'm off but everything I've seen about it seems to be a very upstanding organization because they require they don't require they take the kids and instead of just saying hey here's your faith they take them to a place where they can live out their faith and so it becomes something that's tangible something that they've done and I, I, so it's putting youth on mission and this ywam and so by the way if you have a kid who's in, uh, you know um, a teenager and they want to go and live out their faith this you know look it up man they've got ships that the kids can go serve on they've got places all over the world that kids can go serve and um, actually just put their faith to hands and feet. So uh, I'll just honor them. Dave. Yeah. Uh, so so I had I had put in the thing, so I'll hit them, but I did want to make one other, is that um, there's a gentleman named Chap Clark who is the head of the Fuller Youth Institute, and um, he kind of is, is a uh, – the institute that he has built at Fuller Seminary has really – uh, changed how people see youth ministry. And one of the core things that he has brought out is the idea of parents are the key. 
mm. that for years and years, well-intentioned youth leaders, youth speakers, youth authors were building the professionalness of youth ministry up and all that we could do to change the world and change the next generation and all this kind of stuff. But at some level, it created this unknown concept that, that we're trying to, to, to fix the parent, like fix mm. what the parents have done. And instead, he is looking at the ideas that that without parents, youth ministry is nothing more than babysitting with a Bible story. It is mm. it is a weekly VBS and there's nothing wrong with VBS. But basically, you bring them, you give them a snack, you play a game, you tell them you tell them about David and Goliath and go home. And it's not going to build into anything. It's youth ministry since the beginning of time. Yeah. Right. That's what it's been. And, 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 and people have allowed that to happen. And what he has said is that we want to we want to make a better youth pastor, a youth pastor who understands that that a that parents are, are, are integral to uh, a the spiritual development. And if a parent isn't involved, then they need we need to find more people than just the youth pastor to invest in that person to help create that that per, that 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 discipleship thing but um on, on a personal side i think yeah and i'll uh, i'll leave it out but I, one of the things that gives me hope so much is that i have a i have a person on our youth team a parent who who has a, a young student in our in our group and <clears throat> i i brought this person on because uh, I just want to perspective. I like having a parent's perspective on the team. But one of the things that has blown my mind is how this parent has, in our discussions about when I brought out difficult things, when I brought up thorny issues, the gray area. When we mm-hmm. talk about how, as youth leaders, are we going to get into this, 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 this parent goes, you know what? This is making me think that, that how I'm teaching and discipling my student I might need to change a little bit because of this discussion that I need to be pouring into the, my student and then giving them a thing. And so that gives me so much hope that a, a parent would see, look, there's something wrong with what I'm doing, but I can do better. And it's my responsibility to do better, you know, and, and by giving this them some tools. And so my uh, I always hope and I always tell like parents, you guys, you know, God has given you the ability to be able to disciple your kids. He would not have put them in your care if he did not think you could do it. So all you have to do is be be willing and open and have your heart open enough to say, you know, I need to, I, how can I do it? And, and ask God to help to go through that and find people that will help support you in that. That is amazing. So uh, we are grateful for our youth pastors. We're grateful for those who are working to pour into the next generation. Parents, we got to do better. Dave, thank you so much for being here. We're grateful for you, for what you represent, and uh, and all that you do for the small church C and the big church C. And guys, we're grateful for you for taking a listen to this podcast. We, uh, We wouldn't do it without you. And so please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GCPPod. You can also email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Any topic suggestions and any thoughts you have on the shows so far. Next week, we're back to talking about compassion and how to love your neighbor well. And until then, be be good. Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode is recorded on August 27th, 2020.
by Jeff Higgins and Tim Beyer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to find more of our content online, please check out our website at goodchristianpod.com or follow us on Twitter at at GCPpod. Now go to commercial. Do you want us to just go ahead with Do, Does your house, is your house not safe? Do you feel that you're spending too much on your security system? Simply safe for just $19.95 a month will take care of everything. It's, it, it connects to your Wi Fi. Just remember, simply safe. Simply safe with an I. And if you want to get a 10% discount on all of your things, go to simplysafe.com slash good Christian people for a 10%. I listen to too many podcasts.